0: Welcome to another episode of Once Upon East 112. My name is Aaron Avra, and with me once again, as always, Donatus Carroll. How have you been the past few weeks, Donatus?
1: Aaron, my man, we are back, dude. We are back in business, ready to rock and roll. While we were gone, the uh universe got attacked by a virus. The uh NBA canceled its season uh so it's crazy man we take a couple of weeks off and everything falls apart so i apologize to our listeners didn't realize that we were holding the world together um but we're back <laughs> now so everything can be restored to its rightful place in humanity so, yeah we uh, we had like man. we <laughs> just, just, we Long uh <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh we had for our listeners we had literally maybe just texted the day before, discussed because we had already taken one week off because sports news was slow. We um, didn't really have much to talk about. We didn't want to record a podcast just for the sake of, a, of recording a podcast. We had said, hey, let's take a few weeks. Let free agency rev up. We'll get back to recording. And I want to say it was like the next day the NBA shut down and then literally everyone else like shut that. down. Yeah, I mean, like it was It was crazy. <laughs> So it felt like we were holding the sports world together, and then the virus <laughs> rampaged the Utah Jazz, which in turn caused the NBA to shut down, and all the other leagues, uh, respectively, did the same thing. Um, man, I can't lie. It's been a crazy few weeks. Like, for those that – I mean, y'all know I'm a teacher. I've said it a few times, but I teach in Fulton County schools. And so we were the first county to have a teacher – uh, uh founded with coronavirus. So like two weeks ago on a Monday, they said, hey, we're taking Tuesday and Wednesday off to clean the schools. So I was off for a random two weeks and we came back on Thursday. Then they announced on Thursday evening we're all shutting down. Um <laughs> so we've been we've been teaching from home for the past two weeks. Um it has been a wild, wild ride. Uh for all of you parents out there Keep doing, Keep fighting the good fight because you're taking care of our kids that we're <laughs> supposed to be teaching. Um, so we see you out there. Keep fighting a good fight. But nonetheless,
1: <laughs>
0: I'm good. We're back. Hopefully we'll be back uh, consistently. Depends on, once again, the sports news. If there's no really anything to discuss, um, it's hard to record just for the sake of recording. Uh, hopefully free agency and the NFL draft, uh, given it's not, because I heard that it was like postponed and it's not postponed and it is postponed. but so who knows what's going to happen. Um, but we will be bringing you our hot takes. This week, you may call us late. We're a little late. It doesn't matter. Is the NFL free agency. How we're going to do this is we have determined what we think are the three biggest topics in the free agency world that happened over the past week. Um, so we're going to discuss those. We're going to do a team check-in, a loyalty team check-in on our Falcons and Browns, and then we each have our own sneaky, low-key, big move of the off-season so far. Um, let's kick it off with our three biggest moves. We have determined one of them is going to be last because it's going to lead us into the Falcons. Uh, but Donatus, what move do we want to uh, – what big – discussion do you want to kick off our first podcast back with?
1: Let's uh let's go let's go Hopkins and Johnson.
0: Alright, so, so let's mean. go with the idiocracy or idio whatever you want to call it of Bill yes. O'Brien. <laughs> News By broke
1: Bill O'Brien
0: <laughs> <laughs> News broke last week that the Texans were going to be trading DeAndre Hopkins, well, first news broke that the Cardinals were trading David Johnson to the Texans, and I was like, okay, whatever. And then the next, I want to say it was like the next day, news reports came out that they were now trading DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals, and they were going to create one monster deal involving the two. Um, Donis, I know you have some very strong feelings about this. Not that you're a fan of either one of them. I know that you are a Hopkins lover and he is always on your fantasy team. Go ahead and break down what you think about this trade for us.
1: Yeah, so um DeAndre Hopkins, if you ever hear this, thank you for what you've done for my fantasy football team. Um, one love, big dog. I uh I promise to respect <laughs> you always. Um, no, here's here's the thing, man. I think this uh this trade showed why Bill O'Brien needs to be fired, as I yelled while you were trying to introduce it, to fire Bill O'Brien. And so um, <laughs> for the next – as long as we have this podcast and we talk NFL, I will make it a point to use this podcast to advocate for the firing of Bill O'Brien. And and we're both on the record saying that I don't ever want to see anybody lose their job because people have families, but Bill O'Brien needs to lose his job. Like, I hate that his family's going to have to suffer, but this is just like – It's one of those things where if this was the first time that Bill O'Brien had made a move like this, then maybe people could overlook it. But the thing is Bill O'Brien has consistently made decisions like this over the past year. And for whatever reason, like they decided to make him the GM or to keep the GM tag or whatever. And here's the thing is it's hard enough to be a head coach in a GM um, separately, but like when you put those two things on, there's a reason that Bill Belichick is the only coach that has succeeded as a GM and a coach together. So Bill O'Brien, he, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know what he was thinking. Like I don't know what was going through his mind. I know there were some reports that came out that said that, uh, him and, and Hopkins had a, had a power struggle. Um, but then Hopkins came out and said no, that they didn't have any problems. So I don't really know. Like he pretty much gave the Cardinals DeAndre Hopkins for a guy who had, he traded DeAndre Hopkins for a guy who has been injured the past two years. Um, David Johnson had one really like breakout year. Um, which granted that year that he went off, like he, he went off. Um, yeah. but since then he's been, he's been hurt. He lost his job to Kenyon Drake, who I don't think a lot of people thought that Kenyon Drake was like a, he was a borderline starting level running back in the NFL, to me at least. Um, But Kenyon Drake came in and outperformed David Johnson. But not only did David Johnson lose his spot to Kenyon Drake, like he also lost his spot to Chase Edmonds. Um, Edmonds has a big game. (laughs) Yeah, who was the backup, who I think was like a a late-round pick, maybe like fourth to seventh-round pick. I don't know exactly. But um, had Edmonds not gotten hurt, like him and Johnson had just started splitting time and Edmonds was poised to take over that starting position. Um, And it's, you know, it's not one of those things that it was like David Johnson had fallen out of favor with Cliff Kingsbury or anything like that. I think it's just everybody realized that David Johnson had become a shell of himself. Um, So, you know, it's it's super disappointing if you're a Texans fan to know that he traded who I think, who I consider to be a top three wide receiver. Um, I believe it's Jones, Thomas, and Hopkins in whatever order you want to put them in. Um, at the worst, the DeAndre Hopkins is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. You gave him away for the guy, for a guy who's not even a top 30 running back, not even a starting caliber running back, like, And then you see that the Falcons picked up Todd Gurley without having to trade Julio Jones. You know, like that would kind of be the equivalent to what, what you would be hoping to get for trading DeAndre Hopkins. You see that, um, Todd Gurley gets released and you could have, you could have signed Todd Gurley or you could have signed Melvin Gordon or whatever. You know, like you had so many other options that did not include you having to give up your best player and a top three wide receiver. And you just gave him away for, uh, David Johnson and, uh, like a, I think was it like a fourth round pick or something like that? And then you gave them another draft pick. So I just, I don't understand it, man. Um, from an a- analysis standpoint, I guess, um, the Cardinals got a lot better and the, the Texans got a lot worse. There's not too much analysis <laughs> breakdown to go into it. Um, I'm super excited, though, and interested to see, and we'll talk more about this when we start breaking down teams, but I'm excited to see how DeAndre Hopkins does does with Kyler Murray um, and Larry Fitzgerald, too. I think that this move is going to be good for Larry Fitzgerald. Um, It's going to take some of that attention off of him. I think it's going to allow him to be more productive here in the last few years of his career. Um, Kyler Murray and and Deshaun Watson have Similar playing style, so I don't think it's gonna be too much of a difference for Hopkins. But I think Hopkins is gonna be motivated than ever, more motivated than ever to um, to prove this this decision wrong. As far as how Johnson fits in with the Texans, um, the Texans they don't have a, a strong offensive line, um, and so you're putting a running back who's been injured a lot. You're putting him behind an offensive line who has not been the strongest. Um, and i wouldn't be surprised if david johnson gets cut from the texans or whatever um maybe even before the season begins so um, i think this this move just really showed how incompetent bill o'brien is as a as the gm so um i hate it for deshaun watson and and tyson fans but what happens when you're When your coach doesn't know what he's doing. So
0: those
1: are my thoughts, man. Uh, what are, what are some of your thoughts and analysis on this, uh,
0: this trade? I agree with all what you said. Bill O'Brien is, is he doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to being a GM. Some would argue he doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to being a coach either. Um, seeing as he has had, seeing as he has had some of the most like, um, some really good teams to really just sputter out and not be able to perform uh, in, in the playoffs or make it past, like, the first round of the playoffs. Um, yeah. He, I, I don't know if I'm going to fault him as much for trading DeAndre Hopkins. I know they had a, a giant fallout, um, mainly because Bill O' what things Bill O'Brien had said um, to DeAndre Hopkins. And so I feel like a trade was inevitable. He's talking about he can't bring his, I think, Bill O'Brien said he couldn't bring his his baby mamas around anymore and compared him to uh, Aaron Hernandez in some type of way in in terms of how he's working with him. And so I feel like a trade, when those things are, are said, is imminent. However, what you got out of that trade was an absolute waste of trading talent. Like you got, like you mentioned, David Johnson. Who, if this was, I don't know, three years ago or two years ago, whatever it was, when David Johnson stunned the NFL, sure you could begin to make some rationale. Maybe some picks are traded around a potential like top of the league running back and and one of the top three best wide receivers in the league, possibly top two wide receivers in the league. Um, sure, okay, still not a great trade, but you could argue for it. But instead, you've got a man that's been hurt the past two years and lost a backup job to um, Gus Edwards or whatever his name is. So you got a washed-up running back. you got not even a first-round pick. I want to say you got like a first and a fourth, and then they gave up. Uh, or not a first and a fourth. They got a second and a fourth, and then they also traded away a fourth to give away, to essentially give away DeAndre Hopkins. They gave them yeah. back a pick um, to receive a fourth-round pick. Not only that, last offseason, so this is where I'm, I'm referring back to Bill O'Brien being a historically terrible trader. Last offseason, he traded for uh, Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, yeah. and in that trade, he gave up two first-round picks, a second-round pick, and then two players I had never heard of. But the point being, for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, who is not DeAndre Hopkins, if you didn't know that, um, he gave up two first-round picks. They also sent them a fourth-round pick and a sixth-round pick. But the point being, they got two ones and a two to get players not of the caliber of DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Little do they know and we're like you you began to allude to and we're going to I guess talk about later. Uh had they just sat around for a minute, of course, I don't think uh um Gurley would have went there. But a, an elite running back or at least a more consistent elite running back eventually hit the market. Um yeah. but they they just gave away this dude almost like um Almost like Pittsburgh, who just gave away AB, except for there's no comparison in these two players' personalities. Like, right. uh, Hopkins has never been a personality issue. Um, and I guess we'll solidify that when he's with Arizona, uh, cause, you know, everybody thought that AB was a diva. Uh, but not that big of one, and then he left, and we were like, oh, A.B. is a diva. But I don't think Hopkins – that's not Hopkins' nature. That is not what he's going to be like. Uh, Hopkins is, is more is, – is a much better individual than A.B. Um, but on the outlook of it – so let me get off of, of Bill O'Brien and his dumb self, and, and they're about to lose. I wouldn't be surprised if next offseason comes along when Deshaun Watson hits the market and he says, I'm out of here, Bill. Um, yeah. and then he, and then he would have successfully drafted a franchise quarterback and lost a franchise quarterback in his coaching tenure with the <laughs> Texans. Um, imagine that. <laughs> like no. the franchise quarterback saying, thanks for giving me my first shot. I'm not sticking around because of you. Um, <laughs> but I think the Cardinals just got significantly better. I mean, we're, we're yeah. sitting there. Uh, Kenyon Drake, who I think is going to end up being a stud in that offense, the way that Kingsbury uh, has it going. Um, now, uh, what's his name? Kyler Murray can throw to Hopkins. He can throw to the never-aging Larry Fitzgerald. And then he also, yeah. one receiver you, you didn't mention or forgot about, Christian Kirk, who came on the scene
1: yeah. near the
0: end of the season for them now you've got all three of them. I have no clue who their tight end is. Um, so, really, I, if if they may just be a tight end away. But, I mean, they are set up on I offense. Know. I really hope it's not going to end up being a scenario like the Browns where your, your, your roster looks so good and then you lay an egg in the season. Um, <laughs> but the Cardinals, man, they got way better, and the Texans just went to a four-win team. Um the, the Texans got drastically worse, and I wouldn't be surprised. They're not going to fire him now because, you know, that would be ludicrous uh seeing as we're in the midst of free agency and you can't really gain anything by firing him because uh, then that sets up a new coach for failure. But I wouldn't be surprised if we get, like, nine games into the season and they say, that's enough um, yeah. and go ahead and fire him. Um but yeah, so that's 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 my take. I think I think Bill O'Brien, this will end up being his last season. I'm not even convinced he makes it through the entire season. Um that it it just is what it is. There's there's no way. Uh <laughs> it's gonna be a miracle if they win anything more than four or five games. And if they do <laughs> um I think they could win 13 games and Bill O'Brien's job is still going to be in question because of his idiotic moves. Uh, the only thing yeah. that's going to counteract it is if they win 13 games and the Cardinals are still terrible. And then it's like, okay, well, maybe we can justify this. Um, right. but yeah, no, it's, 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 it's terrible. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> so we'll move off the, the terrible, 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 terrible Terrible Terrible. Texans. (laughs) And move on to the big announcement that stopped the sporting world last week. Um, I was sitting there at my table. I was doing my work while I'm teaching remotely, and I had another computer pulled up to NFL Network. I was like, you know what? We finally hit free agency. The Browns made some big moves. I want to hear about what the Browns, I want to hear all about, what they think about the Browns moves. And literally about three <laughs> minutes after I turned it on, they begin reading a statement from the one, the only Brad, Brad, <laughs> Tom Brady. I'm, I said this all up and I messed it up. Tom Brady <laughs> that he has decided that he is going to leave New England And that is literally all they. I I left that that uh, my computer on for three hours to see if they would change. They did not. And when I got back that evening, they were still talking about it. I'm like, (laughs) how much there is a talk about this? Like, other things happen. Why are we, why are we still discussing this? But that's besides the point. The point is, we eventually learned exactly where he was going to go, where he was going to land. That place was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which effectively had them say goodbye to Jameis Winston. Um, So, John, do you want me to start with my take, or do you want to take the take?
1: Yeah, you go ahead. I'll start with your take. All
0: right, so my first thoughts when Tom Brady was leaving was, without a doubt, he was going to the Chargers. I thought his wife – we said this in one of our other podcasts. uh, I thought his wife and her career in modeling would land him in – in LA. Obviously, that did not end up being the case. He decided on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which honestly stunned me because I was like, the the Buccaneers? Like, out of anywhere, you want to go to Tampa? Um, But when I began to to break it down and look at it, um, I don't think Bruce Arian's style and Tom Brady's style necessarily. gel. but I think Tom Brady really wants to show that he is not a system QB, that he can go to a totally different system and still excel. Um, okay. I also think he wanted to go to a place where he could realistically win. Uh, the Chargers' defense is great, but I think their offense is struggling, especially after they let Melvin Gordon walk. I know that Eckler is good, but Eckler is not, Eckler is not Gordon. Um, right. I think Eckler is really good as like that second guy, but I don't think he can be a do-it-all. Uh, but anyway, yeah. I think he wanted to go somewhere where he could win, and that was completely different than what he had been in in the past. Thus, he ends up in Tampa Bay. Uh, reports mention, that supposedly he had already had a house in Tampa Bay, so that makes it easier anyway. Um, but I looked at the lineup, and really all I needed to see was two <laughs> things. I just to be reminded of two things. And then I was like, oh, shoot. This team is going to be something to deal with. I don't know much about their line. I know their run game is weak. Their defense is actually pretty good. Um, but because I, I don't watch them often, I don't have a, a, a fan. I'm not a fan of a team that plays them. Don just may have more insight. But there's three things, really four things, that I know that Tom Brady's going to love. And they are Mike Evans. Chris Godwin, uh, O.J. Howard, and Cameron Brait. Two yeah. tight ends yeah. and two wide receivers that I wouldn't say Cameron Brait or O.J. Howard dominate the league, but they have shown over the past two years they have the ability to be dominant tight ends when they have a quarterback who can take care of the ball and get it to them. If there's one thing that Tom Brady loves, it's tight ends. The only thing he's missing on this team is a small white receiver. Outside of that, <laughs> <laughs> outside of that, all you have to do is throw it out to the 6 <laughs> Mike Evans, and he's going to come down with it, or toss it to Chris Godwin, which I didn't even know who that was until this year, uh, who turned out to be. I mean, he's I don't know how long he's been in the league, but he was fantastic this year. Uh, yeah. Who's been fantastic, and then two great tight ends. I would, the only thing that surprises me with this, because I think, I think Tampa Bay is already looking at that roster, even though their, their running backs are not at the level that I think they need to be. Uh, Tom Brady's used to working with running backs who are not elite running backs. I don't think, I can't think of a time where the Patriots had quote unquote elite running backs, um, with him. So I don't think that's a, a factor. Um, I think it depends on the offensive line, which I don't know much about the offensive line. I will say that. Um but I think this team is already a twelve win team just by adding Tom Brady to the roster. Um, I, I think with the with that offense, with those weapons that he can throw to, um, I think it's then going to open up the run game so we may learn a little bit about Ronald Darby and see if he as is actually not Ronald Darby. Uh Ronald Jones, uh and Peyton Barber to see if they are what people were projecting they would be this coming year. Um, I know Ronald Jones had a lot of hype going into the year, and then he just kind of flattened out and didn't really do anything. So I think with opening up that pass game with a consistent quarterback who's not going to throw 30 picks in a season uh, is going to allow <laughs> – <laughs> is going shots fire – is going to allow Ronald Jones to really <laughs> break out of his shell. Um but I think this is a 12-win team. I, what, what mainly surprised me, I looked at the roster and I was like, okay, all that makes sense. But the big surprise was the fact that he's going to have to play um, um, Drew Brees twice a year. And he's going to have to play, I don't think Matt Ryan is a factor. But I do think that the Falcons, they've made some key additions that we'll talk about. I think they're, a, I think Vilma and the Saints are higher quality opponents than what the Patriots are used to playing year in and year out um, in the AFC uh, East. Um, I, I, the, the Bills have finally become a decent team to compete. The Jets had two good years, and that was it. And then the Dolphins are the Dolphins. So, uh, though I think the Dolphins are up and coming, they haven't really been able to compete with with uh, Tom Brady. So, I think the fact that he's entering into a realm where they have two teams who are consistently tough, and then depending on what happens in Carolina, um, I don't think they'll be tough at all this year. I guess we'll really get to see what that coaching staff's about. But the fact that he's willing to put himself in a division where he may not be the winning team in the division at the end of the year. He's willing to not go somewhere where he can just win out easily. I don't think there's many many divisions, where he could just walk in and all of a sudden it's without a doubt Tom Brady's going to win the division. I think the AFC East and I think the NFC East are the two where if he would have went to like I don't know, if had he gone to the Bears, I think there's no way he's going to the Bears, but just theoretically. Had he gone to the Bears, I think wherever Tom Brady go, not the Bears, I'm sorry. Um, the one with the Eagles. Uh had he gone to the, the Redskins or the Eagles or any of or the Giants, I think that that team would have been elevated to be the favorite because that division this past year was so weak. Those are the yeah. two divisions. Outside of that, he's really trying to challenge himself in these final two years. And what, what made me respect Brady even more, I'm sorry, this is taking, taking forever, um, is that we read an article, I sent it to you, that Tom Brady didn't care about the numbers, like the the pay numbers. He didn't care about control. He didn't want to bring anybody in like LeBron always does. All he wanted to do was get his his teammates' phone numbers so he could contact them and start, like, getting to know his teammates. And that was, like, such a GOAT move that yeah. I kind of want to see Tom Brady succeed. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to stop talking now because I've been going for what feels like forever. And I'm gonna let you <laughs> go ahead. No,
1: you're good. Um, I mean, yeah, you, you made good points, man. You just about hit on everything. Um, I think, I, I, like you said, I was, I was super surprised, uh, shocked to see that he was going to Tampa, just because, I thought that, um, uh, you know, I thought the Chargers had a really good chance at, at signing him. Um, but if not. I thought it was going to be one of the other teams that we discussed, whether it was the Colts or. Um, I don't know, just any, any of those teams, but it seemed like Tampa kind of, cause I think a lot of people thought that Philip Rivers was going to go to Tampa and I, I didn't think that Tampa was going to sign any of the big name quarterbacks. I honestly thought that they were going to end up with James Winston. So props to them for, um, for landing Brady, but I, I found out that Brady and the the GM for the Buccaneers, his name is Jason Licht or something like that. Um, they go back he was uh he was some kind of a uh, front office person back when when Brady was drafted with the patriots so that um that shows that brady's semi familiar with uh with the g m that 's there um you know the fact that they gave him a two year fully guaranteed fifty million dollar contract i think is is awesome and it speaks to it speaks to the buccaneers and to the respect that tom Brady deserves um, Yep. You know, the fact that, that the Patriots were probably not willing to give him that much money or probably wanted him to take another pay cut or whatever after everything that he's done for them. Um, I think he probably just grew frustrated with the, with the disrespect, um, that, that was going on with the Patriots. And then I think, you know, like, like you said, this is the, the opportunity for Tom Brady to prove to the rest of the NFL and to prove to those of us who, um, have said that he's a system quarterback, to prove that he's not a system quarterback um that he doesn't need Bill Belichick to succeed. So um I'm excited to see how Brady and Arians work together. Um I have a lot of respect for Bruce Arians um and I have a lot of respect for Tom Brady, but Bruce Arians is a, is a completely different head coach than than uh Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is super serious, uh, you know, not fun, always working whatever. Um, and Arians <laughs> likes to cut up and have a good time. Uh, he likes to wear those hats. I don't know what they're called, but they got like the flat bill and whatever. The, the yeah, devices. the, the has like
0: a The old man hipster hat is what I call yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, the old man hipster hat. Uh, so he's just got a, he's got a signature look. Um, but you know, the, I think the thing that I may be a little concerned about is Bruce Arians likes to have quarterbacks with big arms that push the ball down the field. Um, and I don't know that Tom Brady has that – he obviously doesn't have the same arm that he did back in the day, but I'm interested to see how much they ask him to push the ball down the field. Because um, I, I don't know that Tom Brady can be that quarterback that can throw the ball 50 times a game anymore. Um So I think they'll need to do something with the run game, whether it's that they keep Ronald Jones and they build more of a running game, or if it's that they – um They, you know, they make the short game, the short pass game to running backs and, and tight ends more of a, more of a bigger part of their game. Um, but I'm interested to see maybe they'll draft a running back and I think that's going to help Brady out a lot. Um, like you said, man, Brady with, uh, with Evans and Godwin is going to be a problem. Um, I think Tom Brady and Mike Evans have the opportunity to be um one of those top quarterback wide receiver duos in the league. Um kind of like a like a breeze and Thomas. Um I think you could make the argument that they might be I mean this might be a good debate sometime. They might be um a better duo or more interesting duo than Ryan and Jones. Um I think obviously <laughs> you, take, you take you take Julio Jones over uh, Mike Evans, but do you take Tom Brady over Matt Ryan? You know, who knows? Um, but, I, you know, I, mean, I think if they, they're just going to be a really good duo. You know, now you're looking at Murray and, and Hopkins. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how they work together. Um, Chris Godwin was on my fantasy team, um, so I got special love for him. He, uh, he helped me do really good this season. <laughs> um, Chris Godwin, look out, man. I'm telling you, he's going to be one of the top wide receivers here in the next few years. Um He's just a really good player. He's been in the league, I think since two thousand and seventeen, so this will be his fourth year um and he started coming on not last year but the year before that towards the end. He had a couple of big games with with ryan fitzpatrick um uh, and then last year obviously he took a he took a huge step so um the only problem I think with that is can Evans and Godwin stay healthy enough for Tom Brady. Um, because you know, they were both hurt a good bit throughout the, the season last year, um, to where I think they both ended up missing like the pat the last three or four games of the season. Um and then like you talk about Cameron Bright and, and O J Howard, I think O. J. Howard is more um athletically gifted than uh Cameron Braid is. Um, but I think Cameron Bright. um Probably has more of a better, um, I don't know if you say like a catch radius or whatever. Um, he's a, I think, I think Cameron Bray's probably a better receiver than OJ Howard and OJ Howard's just a better athlete overall than Cameron Bray. But I think, um, Brady can make Howard that next Gronkowski. Um, and obviously not compare. I don't think OJ Howard's going to be Gronkowski, but I think Brady, as much as Brady loves his tight ends, um, he has the opportunity to to make O.J. howard a top five tight end in the league possibly right. um so yeah i mean i'm i'm just really excited to see how how they work together um other than that man i mean you covered you know you covered everything um it'll be interesting i don't know if i think they would in 12 games um but i think the NFC south is is one of the tougher divisions this this year um and I think they had the NFC South could, could, could very well put, you know, three teams in the, in the playoffs. Um, if they all live up to, to the hype. So it's, it, I mean, it's, it's going to be good. You know, like you get to see Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, um, twice a year for the next couple of years. So that's awesome. Um, two future first ballot Hall of Fame, uh, quarterbacks going at it at, you know, late in their, late in their careers. Um, so that's, that's exciting. Um, the motivation, the work ethic, the, the drive, the determination, the willpower that Tom Brady is going to bring to that Buccaneers team, um, I think is going to be really good for those young players, um, for that young defense. They're going to get better going against Tom Brady. Um, Tom Brady demands excellence. Um, and so I think that's going to be something that, that trickles down to the rest of the team and really causes them to elevate their games. Like you said, you know, the one thing that he asked for was all his, his, uh, his teammates' phone numbers. And, um, that just speaks to how, how great of a quarterback that Tom Brady is. You know, he wasn't concerned about money or fit or scheme or having control or whatever. Um, he just wanted to, to get with his boys and, and uh get connected and everything like that. So I'm excited, man. I'm I you know, I don't know that I would have ever paid too much attention to the Buccaneers before now, but I'm excited now now to see uh to see how Tom Brady does with them um and to see if this actually works or not. I think this is gonna kinda um answer a lot of people's questions about whether Tom Brady is a system quarterback or not and whether he needs Bill Belichick to check, check or not. So um, those are my thoughts, man. I'm uh, interested to see how it all works out. I agree. And, and I, that
0: is an interesting, I guess, debate going back to what said a while ago about, you know, who's the better duo between Chris Evans and Tom Brady and then Julio and Matt Ryan. I guess it would be cool to see this year how those play out as they play against each other. Um, one thing I thought was comical, and I, and I texted you, um, is the fact that the Dolphins and the Lions are pretty much becoming like, the new Patriots, and I'm not saying that in terms of they're going to be as good as the Patriots, but once Tom Brady <laughs> announced that he was leaving, like former Patriots by the drove just left and went to either Matt Patricia or I can't remember the, the head coach for the, uh, the Dolphins name or, but they would go to the, the Dolphins. Or uh, there we go. Um, they would go there. So I just thought it was funny. They're, they're leaving. Uh, they, they know the run's over there, and they they didn't want to stick around with Belichick, so they rolled out. Uh, I, do, I do think that Brady is going to have a – that these young guys in Tampa Bay, getting Tom Brady is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to them because oh, yeah. they get a leader who demands excellence and who's been a consummate professional his entire career. So to be able to, right. to sponge that up um, and and really learn from him is going to be great for yeah. them. Um one last thing I wanted to say because I wanted to go on the record. Um, Donatus and I texted for people that are listening. Obviously, this is not directed towards Donatus. And I want to put this on the record so when it happens, you heard it here. Ignore if you hear it from anyone else. They're thieves and, sti- and they're thieves and they take away our takes. <laughs> but we we have become fans of this one move to happen, and we're calling it now. Forget if you've already read it before you heard this episode. We, I swear we did not take it from them. Maybe. We want, we're waiting for the move for Jameis Winston to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers and sit with Mike Tomlin for a year under Big Ben and revive his oh, yeah. career in Pittsburgh, oh, yeah. making the AFC North a pretty tough quarterback division if Burrow pans out the way he hopefully will. And if Baker can turn it around with Stefanski. I mean, you got Lamar, Baker, Burrow, unless they trade um, their pick. And Winston, if he can learn well under Tomlin, all in the same division. You heard it here first. No one else said it. Jameis Winston, Pittsburgh Steelers. He'll sit behind Big Ben for a year, and he'll be their starter in twenty. 20- Maybe so be 2021 and 2021. Hard yeah, right. <laughs> to hear uh, first.
1: Alright. <laughs> Beautiful. White to for the moderator.
0: Alright, our very last big topic of the day before we talk about our, our respective teams and then one big takeaway. Um, we know this is a long episode. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, so thank you for bearing <laughs> with us. But this couldn't be a two weeker because then the news would just be old, old instead of just old. Um All right. But the third big move, and Donatus will bridge us. I'll give my takes first. So, Donatus, you can bridge us into. No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. This is your team. I want you to give the take first. I'll respond, and then we'll bridge into to the team as a whole. Um, okay. Todd Gurley was announced to, that he was released from the Rams, who were effectively blowing up their team that they went to the Super Bowl with, and they released him, <laughs> and he was. Signed the very next day, not even 24 hours later, by the Atlanta Falcons on, I think it was like a one-year $5 million, but the Rams still own $6 million. So effectively, he's getting paid $11 million for one year of work, making him one of the highest-paid running backs this year. Don, just I want to hear your takes first, because you are the Falcons fan. I want to know your, what you thought, your reaction. If you think this was even a good move to begin with, tell me all about it.
1: Dude, so here's the thing, man. The Falcons got freaking Todd Gurley, and I am – like, I'm so happy about it, man, just because, like, you have to understand who the Atlanta Falcons are and who they have been for, like, the past few years. Like, the Falcons don't make big, aggressive moves. We just don't. Like – What we do is we give out big contracts to Devontae Freeman after, like, one good year. Um, We allow Kyle Shanahan to just walk instead of, you know, trying to offer him more money or a head coaching position. Um, We give Matt Ryan a, a huge contract towards the end of his career. We give Julio a huge contract towards the end of his career. Uh, so the Falcons for the past few years, to me at least, we gave Desmond Truffaut a huge, a huge contract, um after like one good year. So, the Falcons have a history of not making big moves, not making aggressive moves. And so, um my first reaction when I heard that, uh, that Todd Greeley was released was I thought I would love to see him come to the Falcons, but let's be honest, it's probably not going to happen. Um, although I thought that it made sense, you know, we had just dropped Devonte Freeman. We needed the running back. Um, and then like you said, the next day we signed him. So I, I think it's awesome, man. I'm super excited to see how it works. Um, the only problem, like, so my inside my brain, I was like, yes, the Falcons got tall girly. And then literally like two minutes later, I was like, Oh crap, we still have dirt cutter. So, uh, you know, obviously Sean McVay is a a lot better of a um, of a head coach, a play caller than Dirk Cutter. Um, but I just hope that Dirk Cutter uses them right. You know, we're we're essentially getting Todd Gurley kind of for free. I mean, five million is nothing for yeah. a running back who I think the majority of people would say he's he's. He, I mean, he's he's definitely a top ten running back. Um, I think you can make the argument of a top five and some people may put him a little bit higher. Obviously, he didn't have that good of a year last year. I think the majority of that was play calling. Um, and then, you know, he's got, he's got knee, he's got knee issues. And so that, that is a concern. Um, is, you know, how, how's his knee going to hold up? But I think as long as Turner uses him right, man, I think this is a chance for, for Todd Gurley to kind of, um, quote unquote revive his career. Um, it's a chance to show that the Falcons know how to make aggressive moves. Um, it's the move that very well could save Thomas Dimitrov and, um, and Dan Quinn's jobs for the next year or so, next couple of years. Um, if Gurley pans out and the Falcons win, uh, I don't know, 10, 11 games to make the playoffs, then I, I believe that Todd Gurley would have been the sole reason for keeping Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn from getting fired. Um, but I think in the same, in the same sense, if Gurley ends up not panning out, I think you need to let Dimitrov and, and Quinn both go. So um, there's a lot that's, that's way oh, 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 oh.
0: Time out, time out, time out. So you think that if Todd Gurley, I'm sorry to interrupt you, this, this was, I, I don't want to forget this one. So you think if yeah. Todd Gurley doesn't pan out, then they should be fired for that decision or just because obviously nothing would work out?
1: Uh, obviously because nothing would work out. Not because, okay. not because they hire Todd Gurley, but it's like, you're putting Todd Gurley on a team with Matt Ryan, um, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, um, your defense should be a lot better, your offensive line should be better, and so like, if it doesn't work with Todd Gurley, it's just not going to work, and you need to be hired okay. because you don't know what you're doing, you know? Um, I mean, okay. that's, you know, w- we gave them, yeah, not because Gurley was a bad decision.
0: Yeah, I was um, going to say, wait a minute. So you're, you're saying that hiring, okay, I wanted to clear it up because I, w- I, I knew our listeners, Jimmy, was yeah, probably going to uh, blow us up about that. I just wanted to make sure that we, we were yeah, clear in that position. No,
1: thank you, for, uh, thank you for helping me clear that up. Yeah. Um, I apologize, yeah, as okay. you were. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I appreciate you clearing that up, man. I don't want to be on the record of, of looking like an idiot. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having my back, man. Um,
0: so yeah, you know, I think,
1: I think there's a lot though weighing on this decision. Um, and I don't know, man, I'm just excited. Again, you, you're putting a, uh, a potentially top five running back with a, uh, I don't know where you put Matt Ryan, but top 10 r- quarterback, maybe, and a, a top three mm-hmm. wide receiver. So, um, and it's it's going to take the pressure off of Matt Ryan. You know, like, this is it, – and it's going to take the pressure off of Julio Jones. It's just a good decision all the way around that I think is really going to show who's who. You know, like, I think this is going to show um, – like, Matt Ryan doesn't have an excuse not to audible to runs anymore or to not throw the – not to dump the ball off the top Gurley um for you know a seven to eight to fifteen yard game. You know, like there's there's no more excuses for I think Matt Ryan, Dan Quinn, or Thomas Dimitrov, now that they've signed Cobb Gurley, like it's time to make things happen. Um so those are my initial thoughts, man. I think um we've gotta we've gotta sure up our offensive line. Um but I think if if gurley's happy and, and the Falcons do, do well. I think that he'll sign with us long term, um, depending on what happens with our cap, um, cap space and everything. Um, but it's not like the Atlanta Falcons look bad because they failed with, uh, with a top five running back. So those are my thoughts, man, before we get into the team as a whole. What do you think? How do you feel about my Falcons picking up a, uh, top five running back?
0: Outside of you saying that, uh, that, that signing, uh, Todd Gurley is the sole demise and reason that your coach should be fired. Um, (laughs) on the real though, um, I thought you made really good points and you made a lot of, a lot of, a lot of your concerns, um, I think are, are valid. I have been known to be very critical. Of the Falcons, um, I'm a Browns fan in Georgia, and so like watching like that Brown being a Browns fan in Georgia means nothing. It's the fact that I'm not a Falcons fan is what people have an issue with, and so um, to to be able to um, fill those concerns with you, um, I don't I don't know how Dan Quinn made it past this season. Uh, I don't know how to, Thomas Dimitrioff has made it this long. Um, but I think that that them being able to snag Todd Gurley was clutch. I think they got lucky uh, uh, at the beginning of free agency with the people they were releasing. Though you were happy they were releasing them or not signing them back, like, um, like Trufant and Devontae Freeman I thought those were good moves. I thought they were moves that needed to be done. Um, and then by letting Vic Beasley walk, which I thought was a move that needed to be done, um, he was y'all's Barkevius Mingo. Um, yeah. <clears throat> For those who don't know, Barkevius Mingo was taken very highly by the Browns. Uh, I want to say he was like a number seven overall pick. Um, was supposed to be a elite pass rusher. Didn't pan out. The exact same thing that you that Falcons fans saw with Vic Beasley. Um, and so I thought there's moves that need to be done, but I also, in my mind, was like, "Oh, the Falcons are blowing up the roster where they can, and they're going to start from scratch." And then I began to feel bad—not for Matt Ryan, I'm not a Matt Ryan fan—but for Julio Jones because that means that Julio Jones is not going to win a ring, and he's going to—he's going to be stuck as a part of this. Uh, rebuild team for the remainder of his good years because uh, they paid him, extended him, whatever and now really he and Ryan are part of the reason why you can't pay anybody else um, yeah. Well, and then you you released uh, getting rid of Trufant and uh, Freeman gave y'all a lot of cap space to be able to sign some of the people we're going to talk about uh, but I think y'all really lucked out that he was released that he's from Georgia and that the Rams owed him $6 million next year regardless. Because I don't think y'all could have paid him or would have been willing to pay him $11 million on a one-year contract. Uh, the fact that y'all got to come away with a, a, an easy five on one year and six are coming from someone else um, was very, very fortunate for the Falcons. What I'm interested to see – is, A, can his knee hold up? Because I read a report, uh, it was either yesterday or two days ago, saying that his knee is in still bad condition. Um, yeah. And I hope that's false because I do really like Todd Gurley. But the report said that it's still in a very rough condition. Um, and so I hope his knee can hold up, and then I hope he can revive his career. Because we're just two years removed from yeah. – top five running back, Todd Gurley, top three running back, Todd Gurley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Last year last year was rattled with injuries. And I think part of his releasing is, A, he had a rough injury path last year, which is hard to believe they would release somebody after one year of injuries. But, two, the Rams just started to implode. They couldn't afford anybody, I guess, as well. Um, there was a huge disappointment going from what they were like 13-3 and three to missing the playoffs. Um, it, so they just started to release everybody and Todd Gurley got the X and so Todd Gurley came home um, yeah. I think he's going to pan out they really need him to pan out this year I, I agree to save Dan Quinn's job and, and Dimitriov's job if he's out all year because he's injured I think no harm done for those two and right. they may still return next year but if he yeah. plays and if he plays well like, if he plays Todd Gurley level well, and they yeah. still can't, like, at least get a wild card spot, because like I mentioned, their job just became harder because they're playing the Saints twice a year with Drew Brees, and now you're playing Tom Brady twice a year with all of his weapons. So yeah. them making the playoffs just got tougher. Um, yeah. And so I think they really need him to play well. And if he plays well, and they're still a nine-win team, yeah, there's 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 no hope for the Falcons. Yeah. Dump the GM. Dump the coaches. Try it again. Do the Browns. Yeah. The Browns are really good at this. Dump the GM. Dump the coach. <laughs> try it again. We just have never, like, found the successful side of it. But we're really good at firing people. So if y'all need to borrow Jimmy Haslam's phone number, he would love to help you fire people. Oh. Um, but I do think, uh, all in all, Um, I do think it's a good move. I was kind of surprised he went, not not really surprised he went to the Falcons, but I saw a report that he was also looking at the Dolphins. And once I saw that, I was like, oh, that would be a, I feel like a potentially good team. The only difference was if he was looking at a one-year deal and you're looking at next year, I think the Falcons with their weapons have a better chance of him doing well in that one-year deal than yeah. the Dolphins were. What's going to be right. unfortunate is if at the end of the year and Todd Gurley balls out and the Falcons kill it. They may not win a Super Bowl. They may just make the playoffs, maybe win the first game, whatever, but they're back on track. And then now um, you have to pay him a contract yeah. and you have to give him a real contract yeah um, that's where it's going to get tough. I know they eliminated two major contracts, but if you wrap all your money up and those three players, two of them which are aging, you hit, you sit back in the scenario of we can't afford anybody to make ourselves better um, yeah. which is which is tough. All right, so go ahead and, and, and let' let's, we'll do quick good grief. We're like 55 minutes in. Um, <laughs> Now that we've talked about the big three, we're going to now bridge our last topic into our two favorite teams. We'll give a quick, not as in-depth, we'll still analyze them, but not as in-depth analyzations of these two. Since we're on the Falcons, Donatus, what have you liked about what the Falcons have done this offseason, and what have you looked at and been like, really? What do you say? Yeah,
1: uh, um, you know, there's there's not too many decisions, surprisingly enough, that the Falcons made that I was like, Really? Why did we do that? Um I was beyond um excited to uh to hear that we had released Devontae Freeman and Desmond Truffont. Um I have been I've been team fire or released Devontae Freeman and Desmond Desmond Trufant for the past two years. Um so I'm glad that we finally had the guts to do that, to let go of those two players. Um, you know, in their prime they were both really good players for us and you know, it 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 is a little sad anytime that you see a player um like Devontae Freeman was taken in the fourth round. Uh not too many people had a lot of stock in him. Um he came in, he had a couple good years for us and then, you know, he just kinda he fell by the wayside. Um so you know, you you hate to see a player and the, the, the Desmond Trufant we took in the first round um out of Washington a few years ago, so you know you hate to see the fact that you drafted the player like those two not worked out, but then I think you know like they should have been fired or released uh last last um off season so Glad to see they did that. Glad to see that they let go of Big Beasley. Again, you know, the Falcons have a history <laughs> of trying to make something like Big Beasley work. Um the Falcons in the past would have would have uh held on to Vic Beasley for um another year or so. Um but they decided to let him go. So um glad to see that they made the decisions that they needed to make. And then um, you know, the first big move that we made was we signed Dante Fowler. So going into the offseason, we needed yeah. defensive uh line help, and we needed offensive line help. Um, and, you know, we needed a running back, which we took care of the running back with Todd Gurley. Um, so, you know, we took care of our defensive line or pass rush help. I don't know that it's necessarily defensive line only, but we needed somebody else besides Grady Jarrett to – to uh to be able to rush the the passer so I think Grady Jarrett has now been freed up by Dante Fowler. Dante Fowler I think has the chance to kind of revive his career as well. Um with the Falcons he was a third round uh third overall pick. I think out of Florida um the Jaguars I think drafted him and you know he he did okay with them um and then was traded to the Rams and then obviously the Rams let him go. Um or decided not to sign him this this off season, so um you know, I think he has a chance to kind of revive his career um The one thing that I'm concerned about that I've heard a lot about Dante Fowler is he's the guy that likes to party, and um if you're a guy that likes to party, Atlanta Atlanta's not the place to go so, um, hopefully he can uh he can just kind of party in the off season and then during the season he can be serious about his work um so that um I think that's really it, man. We uh we signed one of our own guys, Tyler Davison, who was a defensive tackle, um, who, you know, he's gonna be a, a good he's gonna give us depth on the on the defensive line. Um and then I saw yesterday where we signed an offensive tackle, I think his name's like Justin McCrae or something like that. So that gives us O line help. And then we um we signed a cornerback, um I think his name is like for D Dre Wilson or something like that, who, um, he's not like, he's obviously not like a top corner, but he's going to give us depth, And I think he can be a starting level corner. So we addressed, um, you know, given the cap space that we had, I think we did a good job addressing the problems that we had. Uh, now we just have to build through the draft. So I I would give, um, I give the Falcons, you know, before the Todd Gurley signing, I would give the Falcons like a, maybe a B, um, Maybe a B minus off season wise, but I think with the Todd Gurley sign, I just think that was huge for the Falcons to be able to pull off signing Todd Gurley. I would I would give us an A as far as how we did um, off season free agent wise. So let's hear about your Browns, man. Your Browns, dude, hey. you put a cap on. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, we have, we KMA. have,
0: whatever we have. We stayed within the cap that that we supposed to stay within. Um, and we still are top 5 with money left over. Um, the Browns
1: signed 20 people and spent, like, 5 million total cap space on people. <laughs> like, it makes well, me off so bad. Golly, man. That's how you do it at the Falcons. Take notes. <laughs>
0: one of my favorite moves that we did, uh, you're going to hate, but it's one of the reasons why I thought the Falcons were, uh, were going to blow up the roster because they couldn't afford this man. Um, but before I move into the Browns, I do think the Falcons made really good moves. The more I sat down and looked at the moves, I was like, okay. So they, they started blowing up at first and then they were, they began to recoup. So they're not in complete tank mode. Uh, that's what I was afraid they were hitting, especially when Austin Hooper left. I was like, and then they, and then they cut Freeman and then they cut Truffont. And then I was like, oh no. And then they let Beasley walk, which we had already, we'd already known that before free agency. But I was like, yeah. oh, they are going south, and they are going south hard. Um, but I do like what y'all did. I don't know if I give y'all an A. But uh, <laughs> I, I do think, yeah, based right, on – I don't know much about Troufant, um, but I do know that y'all paid Freeman big bucks, and then the next year he immediately stopped producing. And <laughs> – never produced since because he was either A, injury-ridden or B, um, just not as good as he was in that one year, yeah. uh, which is what Duke yeah. Johnson, or David, not Duke Johnson, David Johnson became. He was great and then they paid him and then, I think they paid him, and then yeah. he didn't do anything. Right. So, on to the Browns. I'm going to start with my eh, move that we made uh, because <laughs> Surprise, surprise! Like every Browns fan, every off-season for the past three years, I think we won, and I'm taking Tampa Bay out of this. Cause they made one big move, and everyone's like, "Tampa Bay wins free agency," it's just because they needed a yeah. quarterback. Um, yeah, yeah. I th- I think the Browns for a second, maybe third year in a row, could be up for contention for winning free agency before the draft. Um, My eh move was we cut two big players. Uh, we, we cut Christian Kirksey, um, who is a solid linebacker. His main issue is he's, um, he, I don't say he's injury prone, but he's battled with injuries a lot. Um, and once he went down this year, we saw, um, we saw Mac Wilson step up our, our fifth round pick last year and he was an animal. So I was okay with losing, uh, Kirksey. The one that had me go, uh, ah, was when we let Joe Schobert yeah. walk. Um, yeah. and he went, I think he went to Jacksonville. Uh, he wanted a lot of money, rightfully so. He's been our leading tackler for like the past two years. Um, he, he absolutely gets after it. He has his glaring weaknesses. Um, but he was a very, very good middle linebacker. And the reason I'm eh about it is we did sign a linebacker that I think unless we address it in the draft is going to kind of fill the void uh for Joe Schobert. Um, his name is I didn't even know who he was. I had to Google him. Uh, BJ Goodson, uh coming from the Packers. We got him on a one year deal. He's been in the league for like five years. He started a lot last year for the for the Packers. Um, I don't think he is he is uh equal to Joe Schobert. Uh, Joe Sjobert is an absolute uh, work uh, – he's not an animal, but he is a workhorse, and he gets the job done. Uh, so I hated losing him. Uh, so I do wish him the best in Jacksonville. He was one of my favorite players on defense. Uh, most people don't really necessarily know much about him. He's not a showy guy, not a flashy guy, doesn't make flashy plays, uh, but he gets after it. That was my big yeah. disappointment. Um, my next big disappointment will be if we do not re-sign – uh, Rashad Higgins. Rashad Higgins is still testing yeah. free agency. Uh, no one has given him an offer yet. No one has signed him yet. Um, I really, really want him back. I think he's an excellent wide receiver. He's a very good three wide receiver. Um, and I think that Freddie Kitchens was a moron last year for, for and got in his feelings and refused to – He he played all these other undrafted rookies who we knew nothing about instead of Rashad Higgins who granted, Dorsey didn't draft. It, it came before Dorsey um, but he had proven himself as a really good wide receiver. So if we don't make an attempt to sign him, I think that will also go down as an eh um, um, move because outside of OBJ and Landry, our wide receivers are it's sparse. It's not much after that. Um, now, down to the show. What we did do and what I'm really excited about and what Andrew Barry and Stefanski, uh, though Barry's, when it makes the signings, Stefanski's name alone brought some of them in. Reasons why I think that we need to eliminate the stigma that just because Barry and Stefanski went to Ivy League schools and they believe in analytics, that they can't also make brilliant moves. Our very first move of free agency, I think it was our first move, it was the first one that woke me up, um, was first off, we snagged Austin Hooper. And I was a huge Austin Hooper, um, doubter two years ago. Uh, not la- last year he proved me wrong, but two years ago, uh, I want to say it was Jimmy and Eric were mainly talking about Austin Hooper's, you know, he's gonna be up and coming, gonna be elite wide receiver, didn't do nothing. Last year he showed out. Um, we were able to snag him on, uh, I mean, it was a pretty expensive deal, four years, $44 million, so $11 million a year. Um, but uh, we know Stefanski loves his two tight end sets. To pair him up with David Njoku, um, I think, could potentially be very dangerous. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how great his blocking ability is and how great Najoku's blocking ability is because we mainly use Njoku as a receiving wide or tight end. I know going too tight, they're going to have to have at least one of them block every now and then. They can't send both tight ends at once. Um, it, or Baker Mayfield is going to have a, his hands full that way. But signing him, I think he's a much more reliable pass catcher. David Njoku, as much as I love him, has, um, has kind of the reputation of dropping the ball. Um, so Austin Hooper, very, very sure-handed a great big body in the middle of the field, someone that Baker, I think, can rely on on the middle of the field uh, when he's in trouble. So first signing, Austin Hooper, through the roof, excited. Um, and the reasons he came was, A, he respected Stefanski, never played for Stefanski, but already respected Stefanski because of his rec- reputation around the league. Second off, Gary Bar- um, Barnage, I think Barnage, and uh, Jordan Cameron, two former Browns tight ends that I love told Hooper, you would love to play in Cleveland. The atmosphere is electric. Therefore, Austin Hooper, I think, only looked at Cleveland and came to us, which was yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Hate it for you. Don't really hate it for you. Glad we that got it.
1: Awesome.
0: <laughs> next move we made that blew me out of the water. I don't know if this was actually like timeline, the next move, but we were able to snag in that same day, I think all three of these happened the same day, Jack Conklin at, t- at tackle. He is a young... Oh, yeah tackle from uh, from Tennessee. spent one year out with a torn ACL. Last year people attribute him to the reasons why Derrick Henry had so much success to how great he was yeah. at right tackle. Both of our right tackles were terrible last year. Or both of our tackles were terrible last year. Chris Hubbard, who I had hoped, had very high hopes and ended up ranking outside of the top 40 among tackles um, with a pass block win rate, a.k.a. terrible, like to go outside the top 40, there's 32 teams in the NFL, which means there were backups that did better than you. Um, and so it, it just, oh, man, to get him at, at tackle, all we need to do is lock up that left tackle. I'm kind of hoping that we go for the, the guy in Washington, Trump, I think it's Trent Brown, right, in Washington. <coughs> his, his rep put a statement out. There it is, Trent Williams. Trent Williams has put a statement out saying it's time to either trade him or release him. I kind of hope we go for him, but that'll drain a lot of money. Uh, there's also, like, four elite tackles in the draft. Uh, though Greg Robinson uh, uh, was a bust from the draft, we've had people like Joe Thomas, who was elite in the draft. I kind of hope we go draft instead of drain money on on, a, on another tackle. Uh, but regardless, one of our edges is sealed up. The middle is not that bad for the Browns. It's just the outsides. One of them stayed care of in Jack Cochran. And then, in that same day, we signed Case Keenum, which normally I would not be excited about signing Case Keenum. Uh, if we didn't have a quarterback and you told me we signed Case Keenum to address the need, I would be very upset. Because even though I loved him and his, his miracles in Minnesota, I did not think that he was a legitimate starting quarterback. But what I love about him, A, he's a veteran who's been in the league. B, he's been a starter in the league, not just a veteran in the league, but a veteran starter in the league. He has had success as a starter when he has had to be a starter. He knows Kevin Stefanski and his system. The reason I love these is Baker did not have a legitimate backup last year or a legitimate backup who he could – be coached by. Um, mm-hmm. I know our OC and QB coaches are going to be like actually coaching Baker, but to have a veteran in the league that can help mentor you, because he's going into his third year, but I yeah. think the only year he potentially had a mentor was his first year with Tyrod. Last year his backup was a player that they never actually wanted to play. So to have someone that if Baker gets hurt could step in and succeed and yeah. someone who knows the league, and someone who knows the playbook to help Baker out, I think it's going to be huge towards the growth of Baker. And then heaven forbid Baker goes down. Keenum already knows everything about this offense. So I think it's nothing but a win-win for us. Um, Case Keenum is a huge step up from Drew Stanton last year as our backup quarterback. Um, I was thrilled about this. Outside of that, We made several defensive signings. We signed, like I said, B.J. Goodson. We signed Carl Joseph, who I'm intrigued by. We signed uh, Andrew Billings, who I don't know much about. Kevin Johnson, the cornerback, I don't know much about. Um, uh, Andrew Sandejo at safety, which I don't know much about. Um, I know all of these supposedly are hardworking guys, and they're all veterans who are trying to uh, prove themselves in the league that they still belong. Um and they're all guys that we gave a one year deal to, um, which I I'm not mad at because if they don't pan out, we're not stuck on a major contract with them. If they do pan out, great we resign them. So we re-sign the ones that pan out and we let the ones walk that don't pan out. So it's really a, a, a win win, I think, in our books. Um all in all, given that in the draft or through trade, we address middle linebacker. Left tackle and can lock down a third receiver. I think so far in free agency, I would also give us an A. Um, yeah. maybe a B, maybe a B plus And the one thing missing is if we were to fill one of those three voids before the draft, I think you bump to an A, but I think that Stefanski and Barry have absolutely crushed this offseason. Um, I think they've given Baker a lot more weapons and comfort um i think that with Hooper it's going to take a lot of the attention off OBJ and Landry um yeah. Jack Conklin has talked about uh, uh has has supposedly spoken with Joe Thomas who Joe Thomas says he loves this offense um uh because they did it with Kyle Shanahan and maybe that helped talk Conklin into coming to the Browns supposedly he's very excited about it um I think Nick Chubb is going to blow up thanks to Conklin and hopefully the left tackle. Nick Chubb already blew up, but maybe blow up even more. Um, I yeah. think we could also upgrade at defensive end. I think Olivier Vernon. Um, we owe him a lot of money this coming year, none of it's guaranteed. So if we cut him, then that's just uh, money we don't owe anybody. It's fifteen point five million. We could save by cutting him, but oh, wow. we but we don't have any thing or anybody to replace him yet I know we're yeah. talking to Everson Griffin who, is with, who was with Minnesota if we sign him watch out for Olivier Vernon hitting the market because if we cut him no penalty towards us um, and then we just re-solidified our, our line um, yeah. outside of that those are my Browns cakes those are who I think are going to blow up and live up to expectations um I give us a B plus to an A uh, mainly if we address those needs. We especially need to address left tackle, which we will either during free agency or the draft. That's probably the number one need because um, right now we have a third string left tackle uh, as our starter. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so that's the Browns. Watch out. We're going to win 13 games next season. Moving on, uh, <laughs> 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 we have each – did you have any before I move on, did you have any uh any tapes about the Browns? No, I man. outside no. of they have too much money?
1: You yeah, you covered it, man. They they I mean they were really efficient with the amount that they of money that they had and they they signed really good starting level um players for not too much money. So um they, I mean, they did, they did an amazing job with, given what they got and the money that they had to spend. The only player they spent a, a good bit of money on was Hooper, like you said, which, um, you know, obviously, um, upgrades them tremendously, to me at least. Um, so Hooper hurt losing him from the Falcons. That one hurt. But yeah, the Falcons, oh, not the Falcons, the Browns made a lot of good moves, man. Um, and I, I would give them an A as well, if not maybe like a, I would give the Falcons maybe. I would give the Browns a, uh, probably a higher grade than the Falcons. I would say, um, just because overall, like the the Browns, we we signed Todd Gurley. That's what helps us out a lot. But the Browns signed a lot more players um, and still have a ton of cap space left. So I, I mean, they did great, man. You you guys have
0: a lot to look forward to. Let's see if that translates to on the field, because last year we right. won free agency and it, it didn't translate to nothing. <laughs> uh, oh, and Kareem Hunt's gonna be coming back. We put a second year, oh, yeah. uh, a second round tender on him, which means that if anyone signs him, not named the Cleveland Browns, they have to give us a second round pick. I believe that's what that yeah. means. Um, oh, no. and I don't think anybody's gonna do that. So I think the uh, Hunt will be back next year, so we'll have that tandem for at least one more year. Alright. Yeah. To end the podcast. Um, because I know we've been going over long here's how we're going to do this we we have our we each have our own underrated um, signing or move or off season something that happened that may have slipped through in the news that we think will have a major impact Um, we are just going to say what it is why we think it's a major impact and that's it how does that sound? Or do you want to discuss it? I, uh, I, I think if we leave on. it... We can still discuss it if you want.
1: No, that's okay. We'll, uh, we'll just give the, give the recap of it, why we think it's big.
0: And so therefore, it's on the record, so when people talk about it, we've said it. We're all about it. you can't tell the listeners, we're all about being on the record. Um <laughs> All right, go for it.
1: So my sneaky big move um, that I just saw today, which Aaron said that he had seen. I don't know how I missed this, um, but my sneaky big move is Travis Frederick m- leaving the uh, or retiring from the NFL um, from the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the reason that I think it's a big deal is Travis Frederick um, was, to me at least, one of the top offensive linemen in the in the NFL. Um, he was one of the anchors for that, um, that cowboys offense. Um, I believe he was their center. So, you know, he was responsible for making a lot of those, those play calls, um, those line calls, whatever you want to say. Um, and the fact that he's retiring now again at, at age 29, um, this is now, uh, two or three semi-big players that you've seen within the past year, um, Excuse me, retire, um, you know, at a, at a semi young age, Gronkowski, Andrew Luck, and then now Travis Frederick. So, um, not necessarily like the best look for the NFL when you have a lot of these high profile younger players that are potentially entering the prime of their career starting to retire. Um, so yeah, I just think that's going to be a, a huge difference. It's going to affect their offensive line. Um, obviously he was the leader of that offensive line and the leader in the in the locker room so that's uh to me Travis Frederick announcing his retirement um, a huge blow for the NFL and for the Dallas Cowboys
0: alright and then my sneaky good move of free agency I didn't like it initially when it happened I didn't think that it was going to pan out it's kind of a combo because I think with two signings, it makes this a sneaky good move. The Carolina Panthers signed Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, which we called a while ago. Um, I don't care what ESPN says. We called it first a while ago, even though we didn't like it later on. But I think two of the big moves is they signed today uh, uh, Robbie Anderson, and they also signed a tight end by the name of uh, Seth DeValve, who used to be on the Browns. Um, who uh, I do think is a very good tight end. He was, he never broke yeah. out as our starter, but he was very good. So I think by the Carolina yeah. Panthers, I think Seth DeVal will become a a critical piece in the Carolina Panthers. Seeing that Greg Olsen is gone, I think he'll work his way up to be starter. I and I think between him and Robbie Robbie Roby, however you say his name, Anderson. Uh, I don't know who their number two receiver is, but between them and um, and Bridgewater, I do think Carolina Panthers do sneak out with at least. This isn't going to sound big, but remember, I said in the coaching hires <laughs> that the Panthers were going to be terrible. So I think yeah. these picks may cause them to win seven games this year. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Seven That's games fair. this year. Because um, I do think they made good defensive pieces. But I think Seth DeValve and Roby Anderson really saved the Carolina Panthers, um, and Teddy Bridgewater um, to hopefully have success on offense. Those are my sneaky big picks. Before we go, because it just came to mind, we're going to make one more prediction. Cam Newton is set to be released by the Carolina Panthers. We talked about Cam Newton in our QB carousel. Now that all these pieces have fallen, Donatus. Where does Cam Newton land once they cut him? Because I'm assuming no one's going to trade for him. Once they cut him, where does he land and how much success does he have and go? Hey man, you put me on the spot. You um, want me to go first? I've been for a little bit.
1: Yeah, if you got a team, go ahead. I got a team. Okay. I wanted
0: to go with the I wanted to go with the obvious and his former head coach, but I didn't. That may be where you go, I don't know. I'm going with the LA Chargers. I believe they turn their back on on thinking Tyrod's the man, because if they can sign Cam Newton without giving anything up, I think they will. I think they'll get Cam Newton at a discount because he's been hurt and he's going to have to prove it. And I think that he causes the Chargers to win, wait for it, eleven games next year and sneak into the playoffs. You're up. Wow.
1: Yeah, so um, I know when we uh when we recapped our quarterback episode I said that uh Kim Newton to this team was not gonna work. But now that he's released and they can pretty much get him at a discount. I say Kim Newton ends up with the New England Patriots. Um, it allows Bill Belichick Ooh. to find a big name uh quarterback, seeing that Tom Brady left him and went to the Buccaneers. Um And on a one year deal, you have absolutely nothing to 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 lose with Cam newton to the new england patriots you 're not really i mean you you 're worried about fit but you 're not super worried about fit you 're not really too worried about how well him and Belichick work together because it 's just a year so i think if you can get Cam newton um you know at a significant discount bill belichick you need to uh to pick up uh Cam newton um so that's my take. If it was long-term, I would say absolutely, heck no, don't go there. But it seems that it's probably <laughs> going to be a one-year deal, and he'll be a free agency next year. Why not? Throw coffee to the wind. You have nothing to lose. So, uh,
0: hey.
1: That's my thoughts.
0: That's a good point. All right. There you have it, folks. I know we ran long, but we there was a lot that happened over the past two weeks. If there would have been not much, it would have been much shorter. There's a lot of things we didn't cover. We didn't cover Phillip Rivers. We didn't cover a lot of other things. Uh, we could be here for days talking about free agency. Uh, <laughs> but we, but we aren't. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with, Don? No,
1: thank you guys for your patience. Y'all stay safe out there. Um, heed the warnings from the government. Um, yeah, y'all be safe. Appreciate you guys listening and, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.
0: All right. Stay safe, social distance, and we're out.